And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We had no Democrat support, which is really, you know, something that should be said. We should have had Democrats vote. It is a great plan for a lot of people. Uh, we had no Democrat support. If he wants to blame me for helping to kill that bill, I accept that responsibility completely. This bill was an absolute disaster. Its goal was primarily to give tax breaks to the rich uh, and to large corporations rather than to address the needs of the American people. The president wants to blame me and anyone else for, for preventing 22 million Americans from losing their health insurance. I accept that criticism. are listening to the liquid flannel podcast thanks for tuning in i'm your host chuck williams joining me in nebraska is brendan brendan how's it going man it's going good welcome to all our new listeners we'll get to that in just a second but first joining us in arlington texas is the great matthew hodges matt how's it going man i'm doing real well it's nice to be here with you guys yeah thanks for tuning in and if you are joining us for a second time after our episode last week you had to go there didn't you featuring Qasem rashid thanks for coming back that was Qasem's joke by the way uh, that totally was. That needs to get it stemmed out from a joke that we came up with, so but his was obviously better. Yeah, my, <laughs> my joke was jihad dad jokes, but it, it works actually better in audio form than writing it down. It doesn't look good <laughs> writing it down. That's the problem with some of those jokes. Yeah, know? and that's how we presented it. So of well, course it went down. God that bless Cosm for actually being the dad joke master and giving us the the better suggestion that's Absolutely. why he's the master of twitter and we're the masters of podcasting <laughs> that's, you know, that's right that's just really our we're yeah. better that way we're the masters of what we do and if you're joining us again you know if you're pretty new to the show what we do is basically sit around and uh just rip on what we see in the media whether it's social media or bought and paid for corporate media now, how the podcast started was me and chuck would hang out in omaha and watch soccer by ourselves because no one else wants to watch soccer although that's changed now <laughs> yeah times are changing uh <laughs> i still don't want to watch soccer you guys i'm sorry we are going to make you what before the next world cup our goal on the show is to evolve matt into a person that can enjoy the art of soccer i'll watch the world cup because i i like the idea of international athletic competitions i'm just saying the game itself is it, it, it's okay. We'll get you evolved. Blasphemy. You were saying. Brian. So, but we would have such amazing conversations just, you know, talking about politics, talking about the news and current events and talking about what we've been watching and what we've been reading. And we were like, you know what? If we're going to have these amazing conversations by ourselves, we might as well just record them and just put them out there in the world so that if anybody else is interested, we can. <laughs> that way it could be said that at one point in our lives, we thought about that. Yeah, and I mean, it also is an amazing documentation. I mean, we started podcasting basically when the, the first presidential debates were going on. So, I mean, this is like a time capsule of our lives in the in the transition to the Trump era. It's a new era. I literally have not shaved since this era began, Brendan. <laughs> is this a, is that like a protest beard or did it, is it just a laziness? It's a resistance beard. <laughs> well, and then you guys brought me on as a guest one time to talk about some like men's issues stuff that I work on but uh since we're all friends going back forever we decided to you know just keep doing this thing and I think the show's really evolved since I came on even it was 
it really was more just like a garage podcast where it was just some dudes sitting around and there are one million of those. But, you know, we've moved into we're bringing on, you know, noteworthy people. We're going to events and interviewing people at them. This uh, kind of citizen journalist thing has crept in, um, but we haven't lost that. Our listeners might not know that all of us grew up in the Great Plains, specifically Omaha, Nebraska, even though we haven't all lived in that city at all times. You know, we bring our Midwestern perspective on some of these issues from kind of a leftist view. And I, I think the show is is way more than just us like dragging people. Yeah. You're liable to hear just about anything on the show, whether we're talking about the news or talking about pop culture. 100%. It's just kind of getting it from that Midwestern perspective. Maybe it's time to jump right in because we got some breaking news. Oh, yeah. We've got the Midwestern perspective on the latest Trump tweet. <clears throat> let me get let me channel Trump here. Republicans should repeal failing Obamacare now and work on a new health care plan that will start from a clean slate. Dems will join in. That was the worst Trump impression I've ever heard. That's a good sign for uh, for that health care bill, though, that the president's now trashing on it. Republicans should repeal failing nope, Obamacare. Nope, nope, okay. it, was, it was perfect the first time. Okay. So uh, basically what just happened right before we were starting to record, there was literally breaking news where two more senators have announced that they won't vote for the health care. Senator Mike Lee of Utah and Senator Jerry Moran of Get a Brain Morans. Get a Brain Moran. <laughs> uh, from Kansas, which, unexpected, but they put out these statements that are... No, hold on, let me guess. Uh, Utah and Kansas, they probably are super concerned about children and disabled people getting dropped from Medicaid. Probably super concerned about how the Senate House bill with the Cruz Amendment will literally cause all of our insurance companies to go bankrupt while everybody loses their health insurance that means anything. This comes from like a humanistic, let's make sensible policy position, right? Yeah. Kansas and Utah? Yeah. No. Well, I mean... Ah. Maybe. You maybe you can't t quite tell from their public statements. Okay. But you know in the back of their mind... They know. They know what this bill does. They know why it's so unpopular. They see the polls where it's like polling at 12% popularity mm -hmm. or whatever approval. And they see the CBO report saying millions and millions and millions are going to lose health insurance. So they know what's going there on. There was that joint letter from the insurance companies, possibly actionable antitrust stuff going on there, uh, where they were saying... This is going to completely ruin our business model, and tons and tons of people are going to lose insurance right. under this yeah. plan. The Cruz Amendment is unworkable in any way, I think was one of their quotes there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty strong language there. Right. Yeah. But it's going to bring certainty to the insurance markets, though. The certainty that they're being crushed. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so they put out these statements where, on the one hand, they're saying, look, these bills don't go far enough. Uh, you know, it doesn't repeal all of the Obamacare taxes, Mike Lee says, right. but it also doesn't go far enough in lowering premiums for middle class families. <laughs> it's like yeah. so. So basically, it doesn't go far enough in, in having your cake, taking away the funding for this thing. Uh, but it also doesn't go far enough in spending money to help in people. funding it more. Right? We need to repeal all the taxes so there's no money there, and then we need to spend much more money to yeah. help poor people. It's like. The, you cannot do that. So this is why this bill's failing, because they literally 
can't do the things that they say they want to do. Right. Because if they want to get rid of all the taxes and they want to give people more coverage, you got to get that money from somewhere and they want to just stop money from coming in and give it back to rich people. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Now at this point, it doesn't even matter that Mitch McConnell was waiting for <laughs> Senator McCain to you know, enjoy some of that health care and uh, recover from surgery <laughs> to come back and vote because now they don't seem to have the vote either way. Right. I mean, it's almost like this is like a deus ex machina. Like, again, <laughs> the screenplay, <laughs> the screenplay of these current events would be laughed out of anyone's office as the most unrealistic thing. You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, there's an unpopular health bill that is almost about to pass. They were so close to passing it, even though everybody hates it. Right. And then the famous senator gets an ironic medical issue <laughs> that like brings all this. Like, it's yep. just so on the nose. It's crazy because to He's come like, back to sample yeah. some of this health care real quick. Yeah. He's going to be like coming back in like an eye patch in like a wheelchair <laughs> being like, I must cast my vote to take away health care. It's like, that's just And they the yank optics. it from him right away. They just, <laughs> right. like, dump him out of a wheelchair. It was Frank like... Capra actually made this movie at one point, and everybody thinks that it's super cheesy. It's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. <laughs> I never saw that. I need to... I well, need to Jimmy Stewart is amazing in here. everything that he does. So, yeah, it's, it's a good one. But it's super... I mean, that movie literally has, like thugs overturning wagons that the boy scouts are using to like distribute um their little like community newspaper it is so quaint and so uh like comic booky that it's 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 wonderful it's a great movie well speaking of touching scenes uh that event reminded me of one of my favorite moments from republican legislative history which is where they wheeled out bob dole this he was 89 at the time so this was in 2012 and they were having a big vote on this bill to improve the americans with disabilities act that he had been fighting for because he's in a wheelchair and he's like we need to improve you know wheelchair access you know in america yeah uh this is like a pro-life you know conservative issue and so they wheeled bob dole in there to have the final vote and republicans voted it yeah. down yeah <laughs> right in front of him they invited him there they were like come on over and it wasn't even close 61 to wow. 38 and so he basically personal bob had to just sit there and say like watch his own party you know slam the door on his face for trying to help people in wheelchairs like him when he had fought his whole life to advance their cause and I think that's just a perfect encapsulation of this whole healthcare debacle. I mean, they, they ran him for president just 20 years ago. <laughs> right. Well, you could tell what they think of their past presidential candidates because Romney was up there saying, like, Russia's our number one geopolitical, geopolitical. foe. <laughs> yeah. So that was clearly a, a strongly held conviction that the Republican Party has. It's like, bro, oh, Russia, man, you can't mess with them. You know, right. <laughs> they're bad guys. Bad news. Bad news. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and, and does that does that introduce Russia to this discussion? I mean, because I can't even keep up with it. It's dizzying what's happening. Basically, the the emerging consensus is maybe the Trump campaign didn't collude in an illegal way, but a it wasn't for lack of trying, and b the only reason the try failed is because they're absolutely incompetent in everything that they do <laughs> including just emailing blatantly like hey you want to collude with some russia he's like i love right. it right well yeah and love then, so, it 
I guess what is known is that I guess the publicist of some Russian pop star who is the son of a billionaire <laughs> oligarch that Trump appeared in a uh, in a music video for at one point. Oh yeah, you should check that music yeah. video out. His on name YouTube. is Emin. Emin. Emin M. It's almost like Eminem, oh, but without the bleach in the hair. Getting so. that SEO. Exactly. That's how you become a Russian pop star. A little bit more lyrical, too. A little more vocal. He doesn't just go for the dope rhymes. Yeah. We, we should play a little clip of the song. Well, and to help, you, to help you visualize, to me, this guy looks like Seth MacFarlane, like, trying to do a character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get with it. You're always late. You're just another pretty face. I'm really tired of you. You're fired. Seth MacFarlane sounding like this. And the video, like most of the videos, I kind of clicked through them this weekend. A lot of them are in Russian, but the one with Trump in it is in English. <laughs> you know, I wonder if Trump was like, I'm not being in any video that doesn't have American in it. You know? <laughs> that was actually a much better impression than the one that came before. You know, I had to warm up a little. Right. So, but so <laughs> when when this Russian pop star emails you and says, I'd like you to meet with a shady Russian lawyer, you you got to jump right on that. I mean, hey, he's yeah. a Russian pop star. You know, Seriously. that could make or break your election here in America. That would be like if Justin Timberlake, <laughs> you know, reached out to the president of Romania his re-election campaign <laughs> Justin wouldn't get into that I think but. man you know what I think that's cr- that kind of crazy stuff though I mean mm. now that Trump has like cracked open Pandora's the thing and box. I mean I guess you could say just blame this on Obama sure and saying like look he used to hang out with Jay-Z and Beyonce so right I mean that's like you know collusion right there yeah but you know that they were having you know catered on good China meals with these people, uh, you know, when the, the Obamas would host a celebrity or a, uh, an NBA team or something, you know that they were they were adhering to the the pageantry of the office, you know, and the Trump clan, like they don't care. They don't care about any of that. Everything is overpriced hot dogs to them. Uh, it's it's just. You know, we're, we're going to do basically whatever because these American institutions, it turns out, don't have the strength to withstand somebody who doesn't believe in them. We always talk about how he brings it full circle to blaming Obama. And he blamed Obama for, okay, well, you know, first he's saying there's no collusion, there's no Russian interference. <laughs> then he's saying, well, apparently Obama knew about this and did nothing. Right. Obama one, let him into the country. One of the least things i mean obama did do was actually expel a bunch of russian suspected spies and close down two of their compounds and now russia's actually putting pressure on trump to give them access to those compounds again in exchange for nothing the u.s gets Absolutely. nothing they're like can you give us our spy compounds back after we hacked your election and trump's gonna be like well what do i get out of it nothing best well, deal maker of all time right here <laughs> well russia said that if if they don't do it they're gonna reciprocate and expel a bunch of people from the US that are in Russia right now. Okay, well, and and what I'm going to what I'm going to say here is that Trump puts himself forward as this uh blustering deal maker, you know, New York real estate mogul, like bully in the boardroom kind of dude, 
And when it turns out he actually has something to lose that he can't afford to lose, he backs down so fast. He is such a coward when it comes to, like, really putting us out there. You know, he talks he talks such a big game about being tough about things, and then when it comes to giving away something valuable, and he's afraid of the enemy, of course he backs down. Of course he does. Because he wants to be liked, I mean, at the end of the he day. He wants to be liked, and he wants to be perceived as tough, which means he's absolutely terrified of losing anything. Right, but, I mean, you, you only have to look as close as this healthcare deal where he couldn't even help because he didn't even know he doesn't even understand how the process works so right. you know they were in meetings with trump saying like well here's what's up with healthcare," and he's like i don't i this is too i don't want to read this this is too much to read yeah and so they try I to mean, explain it to him and be like well you know it looks really bad because we're cutting all the taxes and he's like taxes i thought this was about health care <laughs> right. we're doing taxes <laughs> right. later like why are you talking yeah. about taxes to me right now and it's like he just doesn't understand what bills are yeah and so he can't go and yeah. help and I talk mean, and does, make a does deal a single person in the country really believe that donald j trump understands the phrase budget reconciliation no because that's the only way that this bill was ever going to pass to begin with is this kind of weird uh congressional rule that they use for all sorts of important stuff because it's way easier than doing it the normal way. But do you think he has any idea that this is even just an easier way to get bills passed with an obstructionist Congress? We're getting a Trump tweet from the future. It says, <laughs> uh, Senate reconciliation is a trick by the Democrats because they hate America. That's right. We need to get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. New rule, Those I get to say babies. whatever and no votes happen. Like, that's the new rule now. <laughs> You're fine. Maybe he could prove that he knew something by answering questions to journalists that aren't Fox and Friends. Sure. But he hasn't given a press conference in six months. He has literally given one press conference since the inauguration. One. Right. Well, right. I mean, I won. Why would I need to? Well, and, and meanwhile, the, the White House press room is banned. I, I guess we're back up to audio recordings but they still can't take video because they don't want to see the they don't want people to see the flop sweat of whoever they put up there whether it's a uh, sarah sanders or um spicer spicy baby scary spice spicy actually gave the briefing today i thought he was gone but they're missed for some reason like, they must don't be call it a comeback yeah for some reason they must be having trouble finding someone to take this job oh, dude yeah i don't know why well, and I also think that maybe Sean Spicer did something to Trump in the past, and this is just his sort of, like, mob retribution. I'm just going to put this guy up and embarrass him and make him absolutely have to change his clothes every time he goes up to talk to the press. Because Trump doesn't understand the the role of what the press secretary is supposed to do, in that they're like a liaison between helping get the message out to the journalists so that they cover the message like accurately and appropriately. But Trump's idea is like, well, no, you just get up there and you say how great I am. Right. Like, why are you not just right. getting up there saying that I'm amazing and that everything I do is perfect? And they're like, well, that's not what this is for. Like, this yeah. is so that you can substantively advance your agenda by, you know, arguing and participating in the public debate in the public sphere and advancing an argument and saying, no, you should support Trump care because blah, 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 blah. Right. And he can't even do that. And we saw the same thing with the Russian stuff uh, when those Don Jr. emails were just absolutely released with like no context. 
by the administration, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is standing in front of the press corps going, I'm just going to refer all questions to John, Don Jr.'s private counsel. And people are like, oh, so he got private counsel over this? <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to refer those questions to private counsel. And it's so embarrassingly bad for them. Today, it was the announcement of uh, Buy America Week or whatever. Oh, uh, this is great. The American Manufacturing Week. <laughs> this is great. So they got Sean Spicer up there and they're like, so uh, is the president prepared to announce that you know, all of his personal companies are going to be, you know, manufacturing and, and you know, buying American. Uh-huh. And he's like, uh, well, it wouldn't be appropriate for uh, me to comment on the actions of, of the companies that Trump owns. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's exactly your job, what? bro. <laughs> right. Like how, what, on what planet is it not the White House's job to talk about the companies that Trump owns? He owns the companies. And still is the CEO of four of them, at least. I think what we can assume from all of these answers is we're so incompetent, we literally never thought anyone would ask that question. That's impossible. Like, we didn't even think that that was going to be a question, That's, so we didn't prepare an answer for it. Even if even if you're getting nothing, you would at least maybe like five minutes before the briefing be like, what do you, got, what do you guys think are like the top th- three questions that might be asked? Like... <laughs> at at the very least it doesn't even seem like they're doing that well maybe because they just literally have no idea i mean it could you just be got anything. a freelance man i mean it doesn't matter <laughs> they're like we're prepared to talk about rush oh <laughs> you know well it's also because no one wants to work for them right. like you True. alluded to earlier brennan like yeah no one wants to take right. the job of press secretary for this administration right. because it's a train wreck every day can you i i would love to just be able to sit on one of their conference calls and just, oh, I mean, it would be so eye-opening. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall when Steve Bannon and Jared Kushner are like yelling at each other right there in the middle <laughs> of the, you know, the West Wing office. You think that oh, happens? That, I, I would love to see it. I don't think that Jared Kushner doesn't strike me as the yelling type. He's not old yeller looking to me, you know. I don't know what Kushner does. He seems to just go to a bunch of meetings and just never do anything or say anything. Rex Tillerson had had a blow up at a meeting or something, and Jared Kushner went over to some lady that was there and said, I think that was totally inappropriate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I don't know. He does... So they're not even playing as a team. That's, Dude, that's no. what delights me. That's the only thing that saves the Democrats from totally losing this game. I mean, that's the only thing that keeps them in the game <laughs> is that the, the team that they're supposed to be playing is fighting out on the field against each other. So, you know, right, I'm all right, right with that. <laughs> right. And there was a recent survey that came out and said, like, does the Democratic Party, you know, stand for something or are they just against Trump? And it was like 52 percent said just they're just against Trump. You know, that's yeah, that's I mean, compared to Trump's approval rating, those numbers are fantastic. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they could be they could be better. I feel like they could they could be way better. And this is the I think this is the fundamental tension within people who would be Democrat voters. I'm not going to say the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is hardline. Trump is awful. He's making bad policies. We need to vote our candidates in so that we can oppose this. We need to retake the House of Representatives in 2018, if not the Senate. We need to be able to block all of his uh, Supreme Court nominations. And that's that's legit. 
except you also have some criticism coming from the left saying, okay, we can't just be against a thing. We need to be for other things. So then you have people who are uh, Bernie Sanders supporters. You've got people who are really pushing for uh, single-payer health care and being really mad at the democratically-led uh, statehouse in California that just blocked that, being mad at Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood isn't going to get behind single-payer because they're also in the camp of, I'm just we just need to oppose Trump. We just need to stop him from doing anything. And the thing is, the thing that's so frustrating to watch this discussion play out online is that both of those things are right. We should be both opposing Trump and the Ryan agenda and everything that they want to get done. And we need to be putting forward better policy proposals and make people excited to vote in 2018. Uh, you know, the the liberal progressive left again we need like an actual catch-all term for anybody who's you know right of or anybody who's left of trump they need to pull together around this narrative and instead what they're doing is fighting each other on social media while nominations go through and nobody even knows about them and we almost just lost this healthcare debate except like brendan was talking about we got saved by the dumbest plot twist ever you want to say like well if you have to be for something or against trump like maybe it's easier or the the energy's in against trump right now but they're not even doing that really that strongly right i mean even their trump opposition is so tepid you know they're not holding sit-ins in the you know in the senate or the house or you know what i mean to stop the bill i mean it's simultaneously tepid on the like official side and it is absolutely deranged on the uh, like not establishment side where you have people like Louise Mensch who's like blocking and directing a crazy hate mob toward anybody who disagrees with anything that she says, you know, even though she's been proven to be unreliable on these topics. The left has developed their own like Mike Cernovich's and Jack Posobiec's in the form of like Scott Dworkin and Louise Mensch and people like that. But let's let's go out on this. Do you think that it would be a better strategy for Democrats to double down instead of tacking to the left, double down on we're the big tent party and if you want to defect from the Republican party and become a Democrat, we will welcome and support you. I mean, that's really the choice that they're going to have to make and it's a really risky move either way and i think a lot of people including people on this podcast feel like they should go towards the left and try to energize that you know active bernie sanders base but i know there's got to be a lot of people in the party saying like you know it would be it would be nice to get some of these moderates on board and you're, maybe well, you're not going to get them with with that coalition, and you don't know if that left coalition is going to turn out and vote. Yeah, I I I want to say you're right on that, but I also want to say that that's what the Democrats spent all that money failing at in the election was trying to get those right. moderate Republicans. I mean, so basically, that's like <laughs> it's like doubling down on the Hillary, right? And also in a, like Georgia six and that um, right. the Wichita Congress. So <laughs> in a way, I don't mind. I don't mind it saying. You can just call yourself whatever you want to if you want to come over here and disassociate with Trump, but we're still going to 
be trying to push for our own agenda, and that is dragging the Democrats left. Yeah, yeah Chuck, I, I think you're totally right. And Brendan, to answer your question, I think that there is room for outreach for moderate Republicans and independent voters, though I truly do not understand how anyone could be an independent voter at this point. But it can't just be our party is welcoming to you. It has to be coupled with good policy that's going to help them and a strong argument for why they should vote for that policy. And I think the only way to achieve those things is to move left of what the Democratic Party is doing. An ideal scenario for me would be if the left is able to splinter into multiple parties, but the multiple parties are enough to form a majority coalition oh, yeah. even though our government's not set up for that what right. you're talking about is a parliamentary system which would oh, serve absolutely. us but so I much think better right i mean in the two-party system it just it makes it really hard for people to switch parties even if there's a lot of incentive for them to do so because i actually feel bad for a lot of republicans right now because they're kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place right if they're a republican like but they're not super enthused about Trump, and Trump's doing terribly. He's making them, you know, try to support this atrociously unpopular health care bill. And then if you don't support it, he's threatening to use his super PAC money to run ads against you and run primary opponents against you. So why not just sure. say, you know what? I'm not in the Republican Party anymore. I'm running as an independent or I'm running as a Democrat. Well, but because, I mean, here's the thing. If that's a sincere question, this is my sincere answer. The Democratic Party doesn't have something like abortion or racial anxiety to rally mm -hmm. all of their different groups around. Look at evangelical Christians who really, by their own like morals, should not have voted for Donald Trump. But they did in amazing numbers because they had a chance to get a Supreme Court justice who was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. The Republican Party is the the party of law and order, so all these Black Lives Matter activists, you know, are finally going to get arrested or but shot by police. The Democratic Party doesn't have anything like that. We don't have we. I, I'm not even sure if I identify as a Democrat at this point, but the Democratic Party doesn't have some kind of rallying point. There's no lightning rod issue that's going to bring everyone in, even if you run the most repugnant person who's ever been involved in politics. Yeah. Tune in next week while we solve that problem. <laughs> right. Seriously. <laughs> that, we'll we we'll need think to take on that a break one. Here and uh, come back and maybe pick up the pace a little bit. <laughs> uh, I think so. I think we've got so much news that we need to catch up on that we might have the podcast ref in here limiting us on that uh that time man or maybe we'll just leave him outside and then just set one of our watches or something <laughs> you know he's been replaced by an app yeah seriously <laughs> it, i it'll happen to all of us have fun with that automation taking your job <laughs> so we must get out the word that donald trump is stinky and has cooties and that he is so mean he made the statue of liberty cry if I can say this on television again and again while doing absolutely nothing to move the country forward, I feel sure Democrats will win the vote of everyone who is against stinky cooties and doesn't want to see lady statues cry. You guys, I, I can't help but notice that there is a shadowy figure who also looks like a, 
I don't know, like a federal agent who just snuck in behind you there in it's the like studio? It's like Slender Man, is it? but with an FBI badge. <laughs> yeah. Is this, uh, are we getting, are we getting cracked that down again? That means it can only be one person. Yes, that's true. The ref yes. is back. Yes. Longtime um, listeners will know that, uh, when, you know, Trump was inaugurated, he put in some, uh, you know, or when, when Obama was inaugurated, sorry, he put in restrictive <laughs> podcast regulations where sometimes we just ramble on too long as uh, I'm sure you realize as you listen to that first segment. So we got to crack down. Uh, you know, there's there's some limits and some procedures we got to follow. That's right. So it usually just means somebody sweating us when we go on too long. But every once in a while, we'll give a little bit of a pushback. So it's an effort to get as much of this news media reaction as we can into one episode, one sitting. Well, that's the thing. You know, uh, there there are always ways for uh, libertarian, like free market people, for us to get around government regulation. Sure. Um, and so, what we're going to do is we'll stick to the rule, uh, but we're going to do as many topics as possible. That's right. So let's kick it off. So what's up? What's up, ref? Ref, you want to put some time? All right, on the let's clock? put up the time. Okay. Hold up, hold up. All right. The ref is saying we're getting the high the sign. Saying go. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about was some of the amazing geek news that happened uh, over the internet in the last couple days here. Oh, it was such a good weekend for geek. And I was going to kick it off with something that I was not expecting. It wasn't really on my radar was this trailer for a new Disney adaptation of A Wrinkle in Time as like a big budget sci-fi epic starring Oprah. Way overdue. (laughs) Wow. I think I remember yeah. like in- incredibly like, overdue uh and the the trailer looks like I don't know they're going to kind of go the Hollywood route with it a little bit hmm. um but it also had some imagery in it that really harkened back to anybody who's known and loved this book is going to just get shivers looking at some of this imagery um my favorite part about the whole thing though was watching uh like Pepe's on Twitter have a meltdown because uh, Meg is not going to be just Lily White. She's supposed to have red hair, okay? In the book, it says they have red hair. I actually is saw that Meg right there. That picture? No, that's like oh. the mom. Uh, I actually saw a local theater production uh, of A Wrinkle in Time as a stage adaptation, which was very experimental and 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 pretty weird. But it also starred a cast of mostly people of color. So I actually yeah. think that this is a this is something, and the the author has said that, uh, or her estate, I guess, has said like she supports uh, this as well. So, hmm. well, that's that's awesome, and uh, we we ended up having a really long conversation about this on Men's Lib, and I'm interested in your guys's input. So we were talking about how Meg, being I think she's mixed race in this adaptation, um, her race in the story had nothing to do with the no, story, absolutely not, and that. Like, people who are freaking out about it need to calm down because, you know, it's it's a fantasy story. You should be able to imagine these characters as pretty much anyone. But that's that got us into a conversation about what kind of character could you not change something like that about? And my the one that I put forward was James Bond, that James Bond has to be a white guy, like a white male all the Why time because it's so built into the character. Okay. 
Is it really? I mean, I think in the way that he is able to be a globe hopping adventure British adventurer that can just do whatever he wants, rolling up in anywhere. So the privilege for sure. Yeah, yeah. it might be a little okay. bit weird to Well, it's that and it's it, also you know? that the James Bond story represents this sort of white Western imperialism. You know, it's basically you know, all all of the all of the stories are about how, you know, like refined british dude uh british assumed to be white goes in and solves a problem with you know violence and fucking all the local women so it's it's kind of built into the character he has to be white meg does not need to be white for a wrinkle in time right i mean but as we all know uh as we've all found out this last week if you're gonna be doing time traveling adventures uh i think only white men are allowed to go on time traveling adventure romps. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, particularly if it's a like an alien, uh, di- multi dimensional entity that regularly changes bodies and identities. Well, this is a totally different story about how the new Doctor Who is a is gasp a lady person. Yeah, can we get a call on the yeah. from the ref on that? Can we? We'll we'll just start. Yeah, again. the ref uh, reset. Yeah, the clock, no. So he's. He's giving us a yep. thumbs up. Okay, cool, yeah. So, you know, if you're the Time Lord and you're a lady now, are they going to call you the Time Lady? Because it just doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> well, that band Lord has a female uh, lead. That's so, right. You know. no, that's just that's, that one, that's that's just that one girl. That's actually one of the best arguments Boom. I've heard. <laughs> what if there was like, it's the new Time Lord. It's Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Stop, stop singing, yeah. You know, turns into a concert. <laughs> I'm a time lord in the future. <laughs> That's my lord impression, guys. Oh man, the ref wants yeah, to yeah, yeah. penalty, but he's not sure the rules <laughs> right now. <laughs> he should. He's flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Matt, you shared this uh, amazing video clip on Twitter that someone took of their uh, young daughter watching. Uh, the announcement, which I think just perfectly encapsulates why this is important and why this is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And let's just play the, like, the very end of that clip right here. Yeah, so, like, when we talked about, you know, Wonder Woman, what we're talking about is just half the population finally is starting to have some heroes that represent them or that they can identify with, you know, and just watching the, watching the dork meltdowns on Twitter and Reddit about, you know, some of these changes that have been made has been so delicious uh, because the, the complaints are so telling. It's like, you know, I was, I'm totally able to, uh, you know, fathom that people can travel faster than light to a planet where there's an artificial intelligence that makes everybody into Stepford people, uh, except like it totally ruins it for me if the main character is black, you know. <laughs> or I can I can buy a, a shape shifting time traveling person uh, as long as it's like as long as it's not. He needs a dick, right? I mean, that's what the sonic screwdriver yeah, is. Yeah, it's a metaphor. It's not going to work anymore. Someone was like, if there's bras <laughs> hanging up in the TARDIS, I'm just, I'm never going to watch again. 
where she's like, I know it's this magic future, but I just I have to air dry. I mean, that's you get that's how you get the best dry. Yeah, and this is why none of these guys can get any of these girls yeah. who obviously are into all the geeky right. stuff that My favorite into. hot take was somebody on Twitter posted uh oh, so when are we going to see man versions of like Wonder Woman and Xena where it's like <laughs> yo dude those it's called Superman and Hercules like those are those are the original right. things like the girl version yeah. was like uh it just doesn't make any sense yeah absolutely does. uh one of the ones in that tweet was like when are we going to see a male Miss Marple? It's like, well, it's Poirot, and he's right. been around for. It's called ever. every. De- I mean, he was the yeah, original every thing. detective ever. Although, did you see Columbo. that they are making a new Poirot with a uh, or Murder on the Orient Express? It's going to be awesome. Dude, yes, oh. yeah, and that that looks pretty with, cool with Johnny actually. Depp or whatever. Oh, dude, oh, yeah. Problematic Johnny Depp. <laughs> well, but no, it's a uh, it's Kenneth Branagh plays the guy. I think I think Johnny Depp is just on oh. the train. Oh man, time to move on. The, the ref doesn't really care for our uh, excitement on that one, so okay. All right. Um, well, who's up next? Ooh, I don't know. Not me. I'll take Go one. I want to talk a little bit about some uh, Texas politics that have to do with renewable energy. So the city of El Paso is trying to, or sorry, the city's fine. The city of El Paso. Uh, a lot of the people who live down there, because the sun shines, I don't know, 300 days a year or something, have installed a lot of solar panels on their houses. The local utility, uh, El Paso Electricity or something like that, is basically petitioning the state legislature at this point to give them permission to charge people an equivalent amount of what they're not using on the grid. So they're not buying energy, and so they also need to be paying into uh, people who are paying for electricity. Man, you know, people say that capitalism is the best system because of choice and everything, but it's almost <laughs> like you get literally no choice if you choose to opt out and do something, and then you're paying a penalty for that. I don't know. Right, where if you're, like, giving power back to the grid or whatever, like, you're literally, like, making you're you're saving the energy company money you're giving them power i mean okay now energy gets a little uh wonky when you talk about like retail energy versus wholesale energy right Mm. so retail is just the like the transformer sending electricity to your house and that's where your uh solar power is going into and then there's wholesale energy which is these massive transmission lines that you know if, if you've ever driven through the Midwest, you see these things kind of um, like bouncing down the highways. There is an argument to be made that this sort of distributed energy is kind of leeching off the system a little bit in the sense that like retail customers who have a solar panel aren't paying into maintenance of transmission lines. On the other hand, if we just got rid of the power companies and moved everyone over to distributed energy and then nationalize the transmission lines we wouldn't have this right, problem you wouldn't even need that infrastructure because everything would just be networked more locally that you wouldn't have to have a coal power plant a hundred miles away from where people live because it's so disgusting and running these expensive right. lines building these huge massive towers you could just have you know the small community <laughs> area have solar powers 
have wind power, have backup batteries and things mm-hmm. like that for in off hours. Um, have batteries or some of these other kind of cool like kinetic energy systems that they've got where it's like, you know, a really heavy train is going to just be pushed up a track over the course right. of the day. And then at night, it's just going to come back down and generate all of that electricity back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen, you know, things where, you know, you can get things where it's like a light that you like pull a string on it or whatever and mm. raise up a, a weight. And then that pow- the, the falling of the weight powers the light for like an hour or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, right, right. I mean, so there's definitely ways that it could be more sustainable, but you get entrenched into the system that you're in. And then all these politicians come up and just say like, well, you know, it'd be so much work to change it even though it might be actually you know better like if isn't it well the politicians aren't going to say even though it might actually be better because the only reason they even know anything about this is because the entrenched uh capitalist interests have been like funding their campaigns and those capitalist interests are uh blowing us the whistle here moving (laughs) on that's right and you know um kind of mixing in the capitalism that allows people to demand things that would make some perceive you as a snowflake. Um, Sometimes you (laughs) use that capitalism to buy a little bit more leg room on a plane and it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. So, you know, um, that turned out to be the case. You spend $10,000 of your time researching plane tickets. You know how it is. You know, your time is money and you know, this turned out to be the exact situation for Ann Coulter like a couple days ago. Famed conservative commentator who mm-hmm. just loves to, I guess, just be as offensive uh, as possible. Top, top mind of the time, I think, yeah. really. So I guess she was on a, a Delta flight and paid extra, I guess, for a specific type of seat that had leg extra leg room, and she was at... She was in the exit row, yeah. basically, right? She paid like thirty bucks extra to be in the ex- in right. the exit row. Thirty dollars extra. So specifically for that reason, they remove her. It seems like the uh, flight attendant or whoever came up to talk to her wasn't really clear or giving her a specific reason why she was being moved, and so she did the one thing that you can do when you feel like you are being infringed upon is take to Twitter. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah, take take yeah. pictures of the people that you perceive to be oppressing you. Um, go to Twitter and try to get all your support there. Absolutely. But this this Twitter tirade literally went on for 18 hours. And it, it went everything from calling Delta literally the worst. Just right. when I thought it was safe to get on Delta again, it turns out they're still the worst. And right. You know, and also took a picture of the person who ended up being placed in the seat that Anne was removed from and put that on Twitter, which was. Well, and there was there was an extra overlay, too, right? Because the the gal who got the seat that apparently she reserved was, I don't know, olive skin. Right. And there was a there was a definite sense in Anne Coulter. It was definitely not as white as Anne Coulter. Look at me rich white woman getting kicked out of a seat by like millennial person of color woman of color this is why you know trump won right right we're taking our country (laughs) back i paid thirty dollars yeah thirty (laughs) dollars it cost me ten thousand dollars of my time to pre-select the seat i wanted 
investigate right. type of plane and go back periodically to review right. seat options. But, I never do any of that but shit. But this is right. like this is the same person who will go out on Twitter and just be like Oh, black people don't want to get murdered in the street? Like, grow up, snowflakes. Oh, yeah. Like, the world's not your yep. special place, the your sa- safe space. Absolutely. The same people, you know, same woman that said, like, the families of 9-11 victims were people that were just wanting attention and stuff like that. You know, it's <laughs> right. like, yep, um, yep. someone with such thick skin can't just suck it up, you know, for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite take was... Uh, Chris Evans, oh, yes. who seems to have taken to his role as Captain America, <laughs> um, who slapped back, yeah, I know what you mean. It cost me $75,000 to brush my teeth. I have to look at different sorts of toothbrushes. I need to like pick out a, a good like toothpaste and also evaluate like what bullshit's going to be coming out of my mouth today. <laughs> and it was just amazing. Just absolutely blew up on Twitter. Mm. Like, this dude has decided to be, like, Captain America in real life. Yeah, it is It, it is or actually Twitter life, pretty I guess. impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess uh, Delta responded, said that it was unacceptable, the tirade, and said, oh, you know, we'll uh, refund your $30. So. Congratulations. I think we've, yeah. we've spent far too much time. Yeah, we actually beat the clock on this one, so maybe it's time to move around, move along here. Well, you know... Do we get any kind of bonus from the ref? Uh, the that? ref says we don't get dirty looks, so that <laughs> seems to be a bonus. <laughs> we, right, we get well. as much as Trump's going to get for these Russian spy compounds. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that uh, also happened in Geek News on a sadder note uh, was the passing of movie icon, famed director George Romero, who rose to prominence making Night of the Living Dead, the you know classic zombie film, uh, as an independent film in 1967, starring a black man. Um, mm-hmm. And we had talked about Get Out uh, on a previous episode, and, uh, you know, it seems like Get Out was definitely inspired uh, by some of the kind of horror as race themes uh, that were in this uh, in this film that, at the time, uh, I actually have a personal story on this. So I rented it. One time I went to the video store back when video stores existed and it was it was halloween we're old and we were like let's get a horror movie or whatever okay it's halloween night right all the good horror movies are are long gone not all of them, right but night of the living dead was there because it was old and black and white and nobody wanted to watch it so i was like you know what i hear this is like a classic film i'm gonna watch it Mm -hmm. and the film was actually really great. I mean, it's kind of cheesy because it's old and, you know, the makeup's bad. You could tell it was really low budget. But it's also sure. very tense. Uh, and, you know, it's got these, you know, these interpersonal relationships. And at the time, I didn't really think anything of it because you're just so used to films being like, oh, it's a multiracial cast or whatever. And they're just working to get like they didn't really make a big deal out of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, right. But in 1967, that was a huge right. deal. But um, spoilers for a, a film that's literally decades old, a classic film. Yeah, guys, just deal with it. If, if you haven't watched the movie, we're going to spoil it so, for you So, you know, at the end of the zombie movie, this, this black man has been basically like the smartest, most capable character throughout the entire ordeal. He's the only one to survive. The only survivor. Uh, he's survived the entire night of the living dead, and then at the sunlight comes out, and like all the zombies are burning up or whatever. And he's like, finally I'm free. 
and he's like crawling out of the house that they were holed up in. He's all beat up. He's he's got you know blood running down from various wounds that he sustained through the mm-hmm. evening. And some cops roll up and they just plug him and they're like, "Got him, boys!" <laughs> like. <laughs> High five, you know, we click these zombies so good, man. Like, we Ah. saved the day again, you know, Mm. and they ride off into the sunset. Right. And I was like, what a stupid Well, Brandon, you you mentioned- I was so mad. You mentioned Get Out, and that's, you know, that that was what I think most of the audience was expecting there at the end, as the the main character is, you know, basically crawling away from this thing, and he's just killed a white girl, and then a cop car pulls up, and it's like, oh, shit, like- uh, Nettling dead. But yeah, to me, again. it was like I, I, you know, I was so young that I was, I was like probably like fourteen or something. The the whole race thing just flew right over my head, right? So I was just like, yeah. what a stupid twist ending. They killed the <laughs> only character that I cared about for no reason. Like, what a downer, <laughs> right. you know? Um, not really thinking about it, but now looking back on it, I'm like, what an amazing yeah. moment. And I just can't imagine people in 1967, you know, seeing this movie and you know maybe making them think about you know the things that they're seeing you know people protesting vietnam and stuff in the streets Mm. and civil rights protests and things like that um you know such an amazing film so if you've never seen it you know definitely go track it down it's a fun watch next halloween where yeah and uh you know just a testament to george romero too let's not forget that the guy i mean he basically invented a whole genre all of these other properties uh walking dead dawn of the dead um cross 28 days later uh, this is all that that was his yeah brain i mean he essentially invented it. zombies you know well you know we will pour a sip out on brendan's carpet here in the basement for uh romero but the ref is saying that we do need to move along all right ref you know what this is a we're, we're taking a i'm calling an audible here just to say that he'll be back I mean, he invented the genre. Right. Of course, he'll be back yeah. from the Living Dead. Oh man, King of the Zombie. He would cameo Walking Dead next season. That's right, George Romero. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess this this is kind of a good one in terms of how we like to end on a high note, but usually not this high. Um, it turns out a million dollars worth of marijuana was found in brand new Ford Fusion. <laughs> uh, were they just building the weed into the, like the chassis? They or? were putting it where the spare tire would go, and mm-hmm. it was like all okay. wrapped up. So it kind of just looked like, oh, there's like the tires wrapped up or whatever, and mm-hmm. when they packed it in here. But it wasn't coming out of, uh, like the factory. Well, well, the cars were manufactured at the Ford plant in Hermosillo, Sonora, Me- Mexico, and were shipped by rail into a CX CSX yard in Lordston, Ohio. Um, oh my God! I was I was making a joke that it actually was built in. Well, at the they factory. don't know. They're, so they're saying they Something don't know. Something went wrong. <laughs> you know, at some point, load like <laughs> or something went or something went right. horribly right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I don't. They're saying like we don't know. Like, is it people in the factory? Is it people who are like loading the cars onto the trains? Is it people who are just like train hopping and and doing hobos? It because, right? <laughs> is it? Uh, you know, is it Mexican, you know, crazed drug lords? You know, who knows? But mm-hmm. one thing I do know is that if we build the wall, those trains will just crash right into the wall. So this is problem solved right there. Well, especially because that wall's going to be see-through, <laughs> you know, so they're not going to see it coming. Right. But this is like, yeah, this is a perfect example of like, yeah, the wall ain't going to stop trains shipping cars. Like, yeah, 
if you, right, right. <laughs> the weed's in the cars and it, they're just saying like hey as soon as it gets over the border like you know ohio's pretty far just hop right. on there at some point and go grab it out <laughs> or whatever yep. um i guess right. it didn't happen this time but <laughs> well i mean but everybody who knows anything about immigration knows that the wall's not going to stop right. anything um except if they cover it in solar panels it might stop El Paso's uh, right. local utility <laughs> yeah. from uh, charging well, people extra you know, for uh, installing. Solar it'll brands. also stop like endangered like bobcats and jaguars from being able to like access their like hunting ranges that and cross the supplies, border. You right. know, right? Exactly, <laughs> and being able to be like, oh, I used to be able to go drink in a river and not die of thirst here in the desert southwest yep. but i guess there's a wall here now so i'll just lay down and die thanks now jaguars are extinct great job <laughs> trump yep well the yep, jaguars yep. just need to find some coyotes and help get themselves over the borders so right i mean you, you know jaguar culture really was you know it was so toxic the jaguar and jaguar crime is so high i mean they deserved it seriously you know they're not bringing their best that's for sure <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know that's a, that's about all we need to say about that there. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me do this. La- let me do this last one, and then maybe we can maybe we can still go out on a high note if we can find one. Because uh, okay. this note, you're, you're not high after that last. This story? note. Well, we should have <laughs> saved the we should have saved that story because uh, this one I just wanted to throw it in here uh, at the last second overtime call. You failed. Prepare for sudden death. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh is now censored on the Chinese internet. You can't post so. Winnie the yeah, Pooh anymore. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it's not because of the socialist messaging either, which is what I assumed. Well, I mean, they're about that. In China. I mean, they love the communism over there in China or whatever. I mean, this is the communist party I mean, that's censoring them. Really. So, um, you know, it wasn't that Pooh was sharing his honey with his comrades or anything like that. <laughs> uh, it was because people on the Chinese social media thought it was funny that the president of China kind of looks a little bit like Winnie the Pooh. Uh, so right. people would post pictures of like him and Obama and then a picture of Pooh and Tigger and be like, eh? Huh? You seeing what I'm seeing here? Yeah, see, the, the, the thing that I found the most fun about this was that Chinese people think that Obama is like Tigger. <laughs> He's because so it's energetic. G G E R, and then you just swap a consonant. <laughs> You're like, oh, pretty clever. Oh, oh man, you know the band's you know. making more sense now. Yeah, Chuck, you need to get on our Twitter more and talk about stuff like <laughs> okay. that because that's amazing. yeah, dude, for sure. For but sure. yeah, I mean, so basically, wait, the, who's E R there? Go back to uh, this is uh, the Shinzo Abe oh, dude, uh, of Japan. Eeyore. So there's a picture of uh, Abe and G as Eeyore. And Pooh, mm. uh, and you know Abe does got a little bit of that sullenness going. Yeah, but I guess it's more about the Pooh comparison because even in that picture, I mean, he's he's doing a dead-on impersonation of Pooh. So, but yeah, instead of just saying like, "Oh, what a clever," <laughs> you know, yes, Pooh is an adorable. I'm happy to be. I'm flattered to be compared to him. Like everybody right. loves Winnie the Pooh. He was like, "This bear right. is." Bad. Or even if it's not, I mean, it's not terribly complimentary, but it's also fairly harmless he's, he's, he's lovable he's a lovable character instead yep. of embracing it this dude just is full-on like bring me the bear's head <laughs> on a spike right yeah so so you can now no longer access anything having to do with winnie yeah. the pooh on what's baidu i think is the <laughs> chinese, like the chinese google, google 
um, and also their major uh, like Facebook equivalent um, has blocked all of the Winnie the Pooh emojis Ooh, man. that apparently existed. Oh, yeah. I want Winnie the Pooh Dude, emojis. Dude, I never pay for emojis. That's a so. Disney pack, man. You got to pay like two ninety nine or whatever to get those. You got to give that Disney dollars over. Oh, dude. I thought that was all run by like uh like the well it's not like emojis whatever. it's like sticker I, I, packs I don't care. or whatever I'm just you know it'd be fun to have like a Tigger emoji <laughs> but yeah I love that uh, that I, it's like he he should just like declare Winnie the Pooh like uh, executed in like a public state execution or something oh man just to really just put this <laughs> to bed put this issue to bed once and for all because after you ban Winnie the Pooh from the internet. You, this problem is going to be solved, right? Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, well, this is a respectable, confident leader here." I wonder <laughs> right, who right. They made Christopher Robin, or if they had a comparison for Piglet. That's Donald know. Trump, baby, controlling yeah, them all. Well, and all all of the people in China who already have all of the Winnie the Pooh mm. books and stuffed animals in their oh. houses are just going to immediately forget about that whole cultural referent. <laughs> I think uh, Christopher Robin is a. Uh, Christopher Christie. No, He's a. Uh, he, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> He's more of a Winnie the Pooh. I was going to say. Really, himself. Uh, he, yeah, if, yeah. If, Chris Christie. If Winnie is the Pooh was Winnie an Pooh asshole, Pooh. you know, like. Uh, <laughs> if Winnie the Pooh had, like, <laughs> approval ratings in the teens, then, yeah. That right. Remember that classic Winnie the Pooh story when Winnie the Pooh was like, hey, friends, off of my beach. Yeah. This is my beach. <laughs> Screw off. I'm, I'm going to get no sun on it. Oh, oh, the ref said that that was too much. That was the straw too that broke far, the camel's too back far. there. All right, that we was got it. Penalized, but... Well, I think we got through a lot of news there, man. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, think we, I think we did it. There's no more news left. We covered all the news. Yeah, we've come to the edge of the news, similar to The Truman Show. Um, as we leave you here, uh, just wanted to remind you to check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Share us. Definitely rate us on iTunes. Helps a lot. And you can follow us. Yes, absolutely. And follow us at liquid underscore flannel. You can also follow us individually. You can find me at shaggy 2 trope Brendan, where can they find you? I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And Matt, where are you at? I'm at Matt the Great with a W. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. liquid you you are you are fucking liquid flannel okay we're we're not putting that in as the open maybe that can be an outro okay oh yeah that's that's the fucking stinger for sure